Uh, you may be seated. I'm excited to introduce this guy because he's been away from us for a little too long. So I know he's got like two, three sermons there ready to go. Uh, he's got books. Man, he's been, he's been like, you coop, you coop a prophet up, you know what they do? They write books and they make videos. And he's been busy. I mean, he's, God's got him in the, in the right place to do what he's got to do because, you know, so many of us uh, have been, uh, a lot of people disconnected, but we're not disconnected ever socially or virally because we can get the word out in, in a lot of ways now that we used to couldn't get the word out. So he's getting the word out. And so he'll share with you, I'm sure, a little bit about his books and those things that are going on in his life. But it's always a privilege, it's always an honor to have a prophet in the house, especially this prophet. Our prophet, we have our own personal prophet, prophet in the pocket, you know. And he's also an elder in our church, a translocal elder. That means he doesn't live here, but he's an elder. And we meet and make decisions. Sometimes it's just by phone call, but we, we discuss the things of the church, he and I and, and Ed, and, and uh, convey that to our leadership. So give Ron Campbell, Sound the Trumpet Ministries, a really awesome Freedom Fellowship welcome. Oh, he's going to jump up. Look at him. Thank you. Good morning, family. Woo. Lord Jesus, help us. Are you guys ready? We were born ready, weren't we? Now, I've got my laptop here. You know, I've been so busy writing and reading and studying that um, I forgot to pack my Bible. <laughs> So, you know, it's okay, because now we have computers, so you'll have to bear with me today. I actually almost never made it here yesterday. I almost had a head-on collision coming down 287. That's the second time. I think I have to change the direction. You have to come from another way. So be patient with me today, because this is new. Well, I tell you what, it's been a crazy couple of months. Um, I don't know if you remember, but last year... Maybe even this year something, I can't remember, it all runs together. I shared a word with you about becoming a cyclic culture where we continue to cycle, you know, from one event to another, like basketball, baseball, football, NASCAR, and then we go back again next year. And we saw, And remember I spoke about God's going to create a pause. All right? You remember that? Well, he did, didn't he? I think God got tired of his worship going to our football teams and our baseball teams and our soccer teams. God was tired of listening to us screaming in stadiums for something that is irrelevant and wanted the worship. Just think about that just for a second. I've been really thinking about things lately since I've been sequestered at home. I've had opportunity to think. That's why I've written a couple of books. I've, I've actually now just 13 books and I've got another three that I've just published, and I'm working on another two. And I, I'm, I'm not a, a writer. It's just stuff that just comes. And so, you know, Pastor Harold was talking about the mystery. I never, ever saw myself as a book writer. But the stuff just comes, and I can't stop it. So I'm working on a thing on right now, a program called MindShift, which is a transformational package. The greatest problem that we face today in our culture is what goes on in our minds. Because the bombardment, the battle is against your mind. Because if the enemy can, enemy can take your mind, he can take everything. Because everything pertaining to your life relates to your mind. And the Bible says, have this mind in you that's in Christ Jesus. So, 
Oh, wow. That looks good. Impressive. You got that other graphic that you could put up for me? One of the books I wanted to show. I've just written a book on communion, which I was hoping to bring copies with me, but Amazon uh, failed. On the left-hand side here is the power and victory of communion. If you just understood the one emblem that Jesus Christ left on this earth, that's the most powerful emblem that cuts between flesh and spirit and bone and body, it's the communion meal. I shared with you probably in the past a story that a couple of years ago while I was consulting in Washington, D.C., I was working with this group of attorneys that were actually uh, approaching the Supreme Court about Christian television, the big national uh, broadcasting channels wanted to shut Christian television down. And there was a court case before the Supreme Court. And Jay Sekulow and my other friend, who was uh, the attorney working with him, uh, Colby May, were talking to me and saying, look, we are losing the battle. The Supreme Court's going to find against us, and we won't be allowed to have Christian television in America. So I said, well, what are you guys doing about it? So what can we do? I said, well, there's a battle going on. You can win the battle. Well, how? So I said, well, where are the briefs for this? And they said, well, it's in the boardroom. So it was a table full of briefs. It must have been 2,000 documents. So I said to my partner, I said, look, get some bread, get some wine and a sheet. <laughs> and the eyes all went, what are you going to do? I said, we're going to do something. We're going to start a battle. So they laid the sheet across it. We took the bread and we sprinkled the bread over it. And I took the wine and I sprinkled the wine over it. And just about everybody lost their mind. Because a lot of the guys in the practice were Catholic. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> and I started to prophesy that the opposing counsel would be utterly confused. And when the jury came down from, when the, the decision came down from the Supreme Court, the brief was written that the opposing counsel was utterly confused in their charges. So you want to tell me that communion doesn't transcend the natural. It goes into the supernatural. So I want to encourage you to, it's on, it's on uh, Amazon, you can get it. I'm sorry, I don't have copies with me. And then I also wrote another book, All Shall Prophets. So these are devotionals, 31-day devotionals, so that you can actually sit down and start working on your gifting and your ability. The next one I wrote was the tongue-in-cheek, God laughs. I'm so tired of the battle that is made more than it is. I'm so sick of the media and even Christians who pontificate about, oh, how hard it is. If you go through the Word and start reading the Word and start studying and start seeing, God laughs at His enemies. Read all the battles where Joshua, where David... Where, I mean, just about Moses, Noah, just about everybody was in a battle. And what happened? Do you think God was, oh my gosh, I'm caught off sides, I didn't realize, I didn't take my medication? No. God laughs at his enemies. I'm looking at COVID, I'm looking at this oppression going on in our culture, I'm looking at all this thing, and you know what I'm doing? I'm laughing. Prophetically, you know why? Because I know God laughs about it, because we think it's the end. We think, oh my gosh, this is really bad. No, it's not bad. It's a matter of perspective. It's a matter of your perspective. If you're going to believe what the media say, if you're going to believe what people will say to you, and you take that stuff in, garbage in, garbage out. Now listen, for Pete's sake, listen to me. There are a lot of false prophets out there at the moment. There was one guy that wrote a whole big thing, he had a dream. 
and the Russians are going to land, and the Chinese are going to land, and the uh, United Nations are going to land in America, yeah, they're going to be in a lot of trouble, because, especially come to Texas, because there's more guns in Texas than they have. <laughs> but a guy would write something prophetic like that. You know why? Dreams are subject to the dreamer. So whatever the dreamer puts in is what he's going to dream about. May not be God. Don't get caught up with false prophets. Don't get caught up with all this prognostication because most of it is absolute garbage. I don't think God is actually worried about what's going on in the world. I think God's more concerned and interested in what's going on in the kingdom because this is where the answers lie. So I want to encourage you, if you want to get them, that's fine. If you don't, I'm not worried about, about the money. It's not about the money for me. For me, it's getting the information into your hands so that you can start learning how to do communion properly. Because communion has been stolen from the church by the religious organizations. And they do it once every three months. No, no. He said, do it as often as you can. Do it in remembrance of me. I do communion every day, every morning. I start my day with communion. Why? Because that's my victory pill. I wasn't expecting to almost end up in a head-on collision yesterday. But I know yesterday morning when I woke up and I had communion, I know it was accounted for. I know that when it arrived upon me at that time, I was able to take evasive action because I'd actually dealt with it in the spirit in the morning. A lot of the battles you go through can be dealt with in the morning before you even walk out the door. We need to start getting to a place where we're not moved by fear, but we're moved by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Father. Because that's who we are. So in this whole process of where we are today, I was speaking to uh, Pastor Aaron Merrill, and I said, I believe there's a call to action. That's the word that I get from the Lord, a call to action. Now, that's a great word. What does it mean? Well, the problem is most people don't even know what to do when you say a call to action because most people are procrastinators. Most people uh, have avoidant behavior. Most people say, well, I don't know what to do. So they go into their shell instead of doing, finding out really what it is God wants you to do. Firstly, you can't do anything unless you know who you are. Because just to do something for the sake of doing something is stupid. It's a waste of energy. It's a waste of time. So I, I sat down last night and I put together this message. And I showed Sister Betty, I said, Pastor was speaking about the mysteries of the kingdom, and that's part of my administration, the mysteries of the kingdom. If you'd understood what was imparted to you the day you gave your life to Christ in seed form, the whole kingdom was put into you in spirit. The world waits anxiously for the revelation of the sons of God. Who are they? The world is waiting for you to get a clue who you are. You see, we're not yet to fight about Republican or Democrat. We're not yet to fight about Black Lives Matter, White Lives Matter, Green Lives Matter. We're not, we're not yet to fight about that. That is a distraction. I'm not for or against anything. All I'm saying is, you know, a guy said to me, well, is God for the Democrats or is he for the Republicans? Neither. Because when the angel of the Lord was approached by Joshua, he said, are you for us or against us? He said, neither. You see, 
we have to understand God is much bigger than our little battle. God is much bigger than our thoughts. And He's not going to come down and try and sort of fulfill our thought processes because He wants to vindicate us in our concepts. He wants us to be delivered from our trash and be filled with the Spirit, with wisdom and knowledge. Now, in the book of, and all this comes out of Ephesians, it's called the circle of life. So I want to start, if I can, in Ephesians 1. I just want to give you some scriptural things. And this is not really a teaching or a message. I don't really know what this is. But we'll, we'll find out as we go. Uh, I'm going to do it from the New American Standard Version. I think that's more or less what most people read out of nowadays, don't they? Good grief. Uh, chapter 1. Okay. I have to find the New American Standard first. That's why I don't preach from a laptop. Because it's too slow for me. Uh, so, Ephesians 1, verse 3. Blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Who are you? You are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places, in Christ. We see through the Christ in heavenly places. So why are we taking what the world says and trying to use that to try and live our life? When we are seated through the Christ, where that is the, the axiom of revelation, wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. We should be functioning from a heavenly perspective, not from earthly garbage. You know, I always told my daughters, never dumpster date. <laughs> what does that mean, Dad? Don't bring home trash. That's dumpster dating. We dumpster date garbage from the world and think we're going to get the, the perspectives of God out of the rubbish that we listen to from the world. Don't dumpster do this stuff, man. Do the kingdom. So when we start reading further, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we be holy and blameless before Him in love. He predestined us to adoption. You're not here today because you thought it was a great idea. Man, I had a puff now. I'm going to go and find Jesus. No, you're here today because it was set in you the day you were born that there's a day and a time that you're going to come into the kingdom and you're going to be there for a purpose. You didn't just arrive because you well, bless God, hallelujah, I found God. No, no, you couldn't find God if you tried. He found you. I was never looking for God. I didn't even know there was a God. I thought I was God. <laughs> but then there came a day when I was in a place and God fell on me. And I was astounded. Because I lost motor control of my body. I couldn't function. When God falls on you, when God draws you into your destiny, things change. The reason why we have so much conflict in the church is because men are trying to live a Christian lifestyle rather than live a predestined lifestyle. You're predestined in Christ. Now, I know people say, well, that's wrong. I don't care what you think. That's what this says. He predestined us to adoption. Well, I don't believe in predestination. Well, guess what? Repent and believe. As sons, through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intentions of his will, to the praise and the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us, in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness from our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished 
I mean, just what's lavish? Lavasos los manos. It's like you've been washed. I know that means wash your hands, right? Covered the teeth. See, I can't speak Spanish. <laughs> Besides, you could talk about. You're going to have a sense of humor because God does laugh. According to his kind intentions, he purposed in him with a view to administration suitable to the fullness of times. That is the filling up of all things in Christ. Why are you here? You're an ambassador of Christ, filled with the things of Christ, so that you can do what? You can plea Roma. What's that mean? That means fill things with Christ. God is pleuromizing us. He's filling us with Christ so that we can fill everything around us with Christ. Why am I saying this? The call to action is great. But if you don't know what the call to action for your life is, you're going to sit on the sidelines and you're going to be sucking wind. Why? Because the call to action for every single person is different. Every single one of you has been filled with something uniquely different. Look, God is not a God of cookie-cutterness. He's given us individual nature, personalities. He's given us individual gracious callings, the gifts and the callings of our repentance. Every one of you sitting here today has the gifts. You may not be like me, but there's only one of me. Thank you, Lord. But you are you, uniquely you. You may have a gift of singing. You may have a gift of planting flowers. You may have a gift of... Listen, I prophesied of a lady one day. This was kind of crazy. I said, God has given you a gift in floral arranging. And I thought to myself, God, I'm feeling so stupid right now. Because there's nothing like that in the Word. <laughs> and it's a prophetic gifting. And she started bursting into tears. She said, I make flower arrangements for people in a hospital. And I take it to them. I don't charge them for it. I just make it for it. Because God shows me prophetically things in these flower stems and so on that are purposeful. There's a word in those flowers. See, God can speak through nature. If the church is silent, God will speak through the elements. But you see, the administration of the fullness of time has been put in you and I. While we're on this earth, we have the ability to transform things around us. Economics, business, finance, people, lives, destiny. Purpose. But the most of churches, oh, the devil, fear, fear. Because we're afraid and because we have unbelief. But a call to action is firstly, find out who you are. Listen, you're not here today because you needed to come to church. You're here today because there's a divine call in your life, there's a divine purpose. And I want to encourage you. To stop crying over what's going on in the world. To start stepping into your purpose and start doing what you're called to do. Okay, that's the first piece. It's called pleroma. That's the Greek word for it. It's the filling up of all things in Christ. Remember, Jesus said this. Occupy until I come. That means don't go hand under a rock. Take dominion. Take authority. Walk in your position. The world is doing everything in its power to shut the church down. But that's fine. They can close the building. But they can't close this. <laughs> you know, take prayer out of school. That's how, they can't stop you. As you walk in the school, what's happened? They just pushed it up to another dimension. 
They're so stupid. They don't know. 9-11 came. People were afraid to fly. But I tell you what, everybody on that plane was, praying on them. I'm telling you, I saw it. The enemy comes, does things, and the church initially goes into fear. Look, man, I understand this COVID-19 thing is real. My daughter had COVID-19. It's real. But the bottom line is, don't let this stop you from being who God's called you to be. The call to action is first, find who you are. If you don't know who you are, how are you ever going to be able to stand in your authority? You know? People say to me, how did you find out who you are? I ran into a wall, and his name was God. And I lay on the floor, and I had a catharsis. And I've been asking ever since, God, what is this purpose? What is my purpose? Why am I here? Why am I in America at the worst time of this nation? Why am I here, God? Why have you got me sequestered at home writing books? I haven't ministered since last time. I think it was here in February, right? March. Thank you. It's just, time's gone. I've, I've been doing, every day, I've been doing four video productions, 20 minutes each, for a, a TV channel that's been given to me. I have to have six months' worth of prepared video for that channel. It goes to 44 million people worldwide. I... I never expected that. God gave me a word last year. He said, I'm bringing you a four-wheel vehicle out of Arizona. And I thought, so I went on the internet and started research four-wheel vehicles, four-wheel trucks specifically, looking for what kind of truck I would like. Because you've got to get a vision. And I went and researched and found the one that I really liked. Is well, this is the one I would like, so I'm, I'm hoping now. Let me see who I know in Arizona. Nothing. And this year, I got a call from people that I prophesied over 25 years ago. The lady was at this side of the church. I walked up, prophesied over her, and her husband was at this side of the church, and I walked up and prophesied over him. And they were going through a divorce. God gave them a word. They got back together, and God has given them this TV channel. And they called me and they said, Lord, once you're on that channel, and we're going to give you the freedom opportunity to do whatever it is you want to do and whatever God's telling you to do because he wants the word to get out. Huh. Sitting at home. And God opens up a door. How does that happen? Now look, I'm not unique. There's nothing fantastic about me. You can do the same. But you've got to find out firstly who you are and what your purpose is. So, we've been made alive in Christ. Ephesians 2, verse 1 to 10. We've been made alive in Christ. So, we are His workmanship. So, God is busy working His kingdom inside of you. This is a call to action. Firstly, firstly, you're here to pleromize, to fill, firstly, yourself. Sorry, you can't fill anything unless you fill yourself. So, you've got to get rid of garbage before you can be filled. Then the next thing is you're His workmanship. He's busy transforming you into the unique being he created in his mind before the foundation of the earth. You were born into sin, you were corrupted by the world, and then he came and redeemed you because he predestined a certain day for you to come into his kingdom. He's now empowered you with the kingdom. Now what's he doing? Now he's working with you, making you into a diamond, polishing your facets, putting a purpose in you that you've never had before, seeing things you've never seen before, doing things you've never done before. Walking in authority you've never seen before. You is workmanship. It's his job to bring you to perfection. 
It's his job to make you the person he's predestined you to be. All he needs you to do is say yes. You want to, be, you want to see a nation change. If one puts a thousand to flight and two put ten thousand to flight, if you imagine if you start praying two by two, imagine what could happen. Think about it. Years ago, there was an evangelist that said, we need to march on Washington, 10, know, 1 million people. And bottom line is, they did. And what changed? Well, the hotels made money. The restaurants made money. People slept on the sidewalks. Nothing changed. Why? Because it's not God's model. God's model is if two are gathered in my name, there I am in their midst. Huh. So with God, less is more. With us, more seems to be more, but it's actually less. Let's march on Washington. Yeah, what's I going to do? Get you shot by federal agents. <laughs> Go for it. Be stupid. Sorry, I don't mean to be messing with stuff, but I'm just saying. The world's ways are stupid. <laughs> They're going to cost you money. Two by two. Call to prayer. Two by two. You want to see violence stop in your city? Two by two. Go for prayer walks. Two by two. You want to see education change in your city? Two by two. You want to see healthcare change in your city? Two by two. Jesus sent them out. Ah, oh, there's a theme. Wow. Imagine that. So, Ephesians 3, verse 3 to 13, it speaks about the mysteries of Christ. The administration of the mysteries of Christ have been imparted into you. Well, I can't preach. Well, what can you do? Well, I'm a mechanic. Well, the mysteries of Christ are imparted into you to find out and find out what's going on with people's cars to fix them. Well, I'm a singer. Mysteries of Christ are put into you to be able to reveal revelation through song, through sound. Huh? I never knew I was a writer. I never, I, I, my whole life, I've been, my handwriting is terrible. I can't even read it. <laughs> God, look at me. It's chicken scratch. Look at this. I have to sit in the God, what am I saying? But what mystery has been put inside of me? Prophetic mystery. I'm still uncovering it every day. I'm learning things about prophetic stuff every day. I'm not worried about where the church is going and, and, and um, you know, what the next calamity is that can hit the world and make sure that I prophesy that so people can know that I'm a prophet. I don't care about that. I know who I am. I stand in, I stand in grocery stores and God gives me word for people. There's no worship music and no offerings. It's just a word. You walk up to a person, you give the word, and they fall to pieces. And you think, okay, are you okay? How did you know? Well, God told me. It's a mystery of the kingdom. I can't understand the church would walk away from God's gifts. What are you trying to do? Trying to get people changed with what? With religion? Yeah, whatever. My first experience... After I got saved, it was in the Assemblies of God Church. 
and uh, I had terrible PTSD from the war. And I was sitting in the back of the church, on the back pew, at the back. And you know, those days, speaking in tongues loud was a very impressive thing. But the more they spoke in tongues loud, the more I was thinking, well, what is wrong with these people? They're so screaming and loud noise, shouting. I wasn't impressed. I was afraid. And the guy stood behind me and started, so he started to give his tongue loud. And I just turned around and I planted him. I decked him. I laid him flat. Fivefold ministry. <laughs> Mystery of the kingdom was revealed. And they came up to him and said, That's not very nice. You have to leave. You can't be here. That was one of our elders. Well, why did he stand behind me screaming? I panicked. So I was thrown out of the church. That was the best day of my life because the journey began of discovering and finding the mystery of Christ. I didn't have to sit amongst a bunch of babbling fools who screamed and shouted to impress each other. But I could be led to an old woman, a grandmother, who sat down quietly and gently and told me about Jesus. Mystery of the kingdom. You don't need to be loud. You just need to know. It's not about the noise you make. It's about what you carry. The call to action is about who you are and what you carry. And dispensing what you carry to others around you. Give it away. Because as you give it away, what happens is you get more. As you get revelation, you start sowing it into people. God starts giving you more. And what happens is the picture becomes full, complete. Because don't forget, I'm not the body, but we together corporately are the body. And as I sow into you, so you receive. And what happens? I get more. And then you are able to go and sow. And then you get more. That's the principle of the kingdom. It's harvest. Hey, this concept of one man standing up leading 5,000 people, that's not God. The concept is to equip and train disciple people. Make disciples of men to bring unity of the spirit Right? Okay, so. So the next part of this thing is unity of the spirit. It speaks about one body, one spirit. Man, if you could see the picture that God has painted here in Ephesians, what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus, he's speaking about this whole concept of a call to action. Getting them out of tradition and out of religion and out of this mind control concept. And getting him into a lifestyle of the spirit. Ah, it's powerful. And we go from there to Ephesians 4, verse 17 to 24. It speaks about the spirit of your mind. People, let me say this to you definitely. There is a deluge against the mind of the nation. There's a warfare going on. And it's not just coming from Republican or Democrat or media. It is the enemy behind this thing. It is coming at the church with false doctrine. It's coming at the church with false prophecy. It's coming to the church with fear and domination. And it's coming for your mind. Why? Because the enemy wants to stop you dead in your tracks. He wants you to be perverted through the culture. He wants you not to believe in God. He wants you to stand and call out God as a liar. You don't believe me. Because when 
Hope deferred makes a hard Christian. When you're waiting for the promise and it doesn't come, you eventually get to a place where you say, well, I don't think God's going to do it for me. The minute you do that, you become an accuser. Once you become an accuser, you're out the camp of the kingdom and you're in the camp of the enemy because you're accusing God. So I want to warn you. Jesus wants us to have a right mind. He's given us the power to have a right mind. Another book that I'm writing now, which I'm in the process of calling, it's a book speaking specifically about how to renew your mind. And what I'm calling it, have you lost your mind? Because if I look across the broad spectrum today of the nation and the church, people have lost their flipping minds. I was going to put flipping in or fricking in there, but people said that wouldn't be appropriate. <laughs> oh, he said those words. He needs Jesus. But I'm serious with you. Have we lost our mind? Have we lost our mind? I mean, I look at what goes on in places. I look at our leaders of this nation, and I think to myself, man, you know what? We'll line them up and slap them through the face, wake them up because they've fallen asleep. Something's happened. And, and we believe these people are going to make, make good choices for us. <laughs> I'm not speaking against government. I'm just saying. If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. We've got to get our minds renewed. I'm telling you, a call to action is not an easy thing. It's not just a while we're going to just get out there and do something. It's firstly finding out who you are. Recognizing what is in you. Making sure that you're in your right mind. Look, if you're going to go off for God, go off in the right way. Don't go off where people have to rebuke you or call you a flake. Because what you do is you just damage the reputation of the body of Christ. Because there are multiple flakes out there. It's like a breakfast cereal out there. Snap, crackle, pop. I look at the stuff that comes over the internet and I think myself, and the stuff some of you guys send to me, please, in Jesus' name. Sanctify your mind. Don't send me stuff because I will rebuke you. I have. The stuff that comes across that people believe is absolutely asinine. We're not supposed to be into conspiracy theorists, people. We have the truth. Somebody sent me some one day, there'll be people eating, drinking blood. Please. We are drinking the blood of Jesus. Why do you think the enemy is trying to create a counterfeit? So, so now he has the action. Ephesians, 1, uh, Ephesians uh, 5, verse 1. I want to read this to you because this to me is important. Am I boring you guys? I'm, I'm trying to give you a perspective here of what the battle is. Ephesians 5, verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God. As beloved children, walk in love, hmm. just as Christ loved you and gave himself for you as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. You know what God told me the other day when I was praying? He said, the church comes before me as a stench in my nostrils. And I think, God, what would make us, who are the divine ones who are set apart for your purpose, become a stench in your nostrils? It's because we've lost our way. Revelation said this, you've lost your first love. You see, you cannot love unless you know that you are loved.
You cannot love unless you firstly love yourself. And Sister Mary Lou said it just now. She said, love is the greatest thing of all. When I listen to some Christian pontificate on Facebook, Twitter, I don't need a revelation or prophetic knowledge to know they've lost their love. Because the garbage that's coming through their fingers is not love. How will the world know that Christ is real? Is for the love that you have for one another. Listen, it's difficult for us to just love each other as we are. How about we love people that are so outside the realm of who we are? It's difficult to love people that are not like you. But that's the, that's the acid test. Is the action is to love. If you love this city and these people well enough, then it's imperative for you to show that to them. What does that mean? That means that the Bible says when someone has a need and you see it, fill it. Well, I'm going to give them money. They need to go work. Oh, okay. Then the day comes when your need is there. And God's not there for you. Because you have not sown into mercy. You know, when I came to America, I didn't need money when I left South Africa. I was a millionaire. I used to, my business, my pharmaceutical business, did 40 million a year. When I heard the call of God to come to America, all I could bring to this country with me was $10,000. And within the space of two months, we were evicted from our apartment, living in our car, me and my wife and three girls. The Christians that we had met had got a red light from God to help us. They wouldn't help us. What they did is they came to me and said, you need to go back home, you missed God's timing. They went to immigration, they won't have me deported. That's the love that I saw. Then God sent a black man one day. Tommy. Tommy was as poor as a church mouse. He took his weekly pay and he got me a storage unit for me to put my furniture in. He organized for me to go and stay with friends of his. And he got me a job. Then I saw the love. That man gave everything. <laughs> but yet today as the church, we don't give anything. We don't sow. We don't love. We criticize. We judge. You want to see a call to action? Get your heart right, man. I tell you, if it wasn't for that man, I don't know what I would have done. I probably would have killed myself. That's how desperate I was. Tommy was a blessing from God. Where people that knew me and knew that I was called turned their backs and walked away. This brother never saw my ministry. He didn't know anything about it. He just heard the word of the Lord and he came to help me. And you know what touched my life more? He loved me. Not based on the color of my skin. I was so grateful for him. And you know, coming from Africa, especially from South Africa, a racist nation, to have a black man love on you? That was hard. Because we'd been accused for years of being racist. I was so grateful that I kissed his feet. See, people, you don't understand. The church has lost its love. We want to take sides. We need to be imitators of God. Imitators of God. You know, last year I got a note from Tommy. His wife, Lorraine, had breast cancer. And he was in a very, very difficult place financially. I went to Costco. I bought $500 worth of groceries. I went to cash, 
got in my car, I drove to Midland, went to Tommy. Why? He had sovereign into mercy. So when there was a call for mercy, there was no hesitancy on my part. I did it immediately. I didn't even think, I didn't even ask God. I didn't need to. I knew what the call to action was. There are people in this city that are dying and devastated, but the church is pontificating. And we are standing and we're not doing anything about it. We should be gathering around doing something about it so that they know that we are the true representation of Christ. We carry the mystery of the kingdom within us. We can reveal, we can set them free. Sorry if I'm getting emotional. I don't mean to be. But my heart breaks for where we are. And yet the prophets pontificate. And the church is lost. And the nation is standing on a great revolution. And people are dying and losing their lives. And everybody is fighting about who's right and who's wrong. And where are we? People are losing their jobs and their livelihood. But we don't do anything. We just stand. We're going to face the Lord one day. You have to give an account. Hear my heart as a prophet. I'm, I'm begging you. Listen to this call of action. Find out what it is you need to do. and Do it. You do it. Why? Because the day is going to come when you're going to need somebody to do something for you. And if you have not sown into that thing, there will be no provision for you. The Bible speaks about sowing into the storehouse so that there will be bread in your day of need. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about everything that you own. Sorry if I'm getting out of hand. I don't mean to be. Ephesians 5.23 speaks about marriage. Marriages in America are under attack. Marriages are under attack. Husbands and wives are under tremendous pressure. Gender identity is becoming such a thing nowadays. Our young people are, I spoke to a young boy there, he identifies himself as a dolphin. How have we got there? How did we get there that we would deny who we created to be? What delusion has come into our culture that, that we are battling this battle? What, you know why? Because the church has not been walking in its destiny. The revelation has not been in the streets. God's presence has not been in the streets. Because you know why? Because we've been fighting about who's right and who's wrong. You may never want to talk to me again after today. You may take me and unfriend me on Facebook. But I'm going to tell you the truth today. I came down here because I love you. I love this church. This is one of the few churches that I go to in America that I know the heart of the ministry. That I know the heartbeat. That if Pastor Harold Miller called me, come down, I just get in my car and I come down. I don't ask questions. Why? Because we have a relationship. Because there's something dynamic and vital here. There's something powerful here. There's something life-giving here. There's people here that are prepared to do the will of the Lord. I'm attracted to that. I'm driven by that. I go to other places, just a bunch of religious people want to hear what God thinks of them. What's God's opinion of me? You're a douchebag. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. 
But, but you know, now you know how I feel. Can you? There's forgiveness and there is repentance. But, but do you know how I feel as a prophet when people always are trying to, trying to say, tell me what God thinks of me. It's like, as if you are so important. The word tells you what God thinks of you. And, and now people will put you in that position to do that. That's not my calling. My calling is to speak to the nations. My calling is to speak to the body of Christ. And yes, I love to prophesy to people individually. And yes, I'm just human. I, I feel things myself. I, I go through pain myself. I go through difficulty myself. I feel these things myself. I know when I'm being used and when I'm being misused. I know all those things. I'm aware of it. I'm totally aware. Jesus knew those things as well. And a heart, it's heartbreaking for me when people would misuse the gifts in the kingdom for something to pump the ego up. Ephesians 6 verse 1 to 4 speaks about honor in family relationships. Fathers, honor your children. You know, we have a breakdown in the family community. We know that. But it comes because there's such a breakdown of the kingdom. And here's the call to action for families. Husbands and wives, pray together. <laughs> One puts a thousand, two puts ten thousand. Pray together. If your children are unruly, sit down and pray with them. Hold them accountable. Discipline them. Teach them. Disciple them. Don't let them go to the Sunday school to be discipled. You disciple your children. Bring them up in the way they should go. You know, don't depend on the school to teach your children or educate them because they will educate them the wrong way. You become the educator. You become the one that monitors the education. You become the one that monitors the purpose and the destiny and the outcome. It's your responsibility as a parent. Why? It's about honor. Teach your children to honor authority. Teach your children to honor your, their parents. It will go well with them. I always tell my girls, I understand sometimes you're disappointed and upset with the way we raised you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry you had to live in a car. But there was nothing I could do. God put us in that situation, and I want you to know that if I had done it another way, I would have, but I didn't have the ability to do it. But the fact is, honor is a very important thing. Love and honor is a very important thing. And then the final part, put on the armor of God that you can stand, Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God, the helmet of salvation, so that you can protect your mind from the, the stuff that goes on in the world. Because like I said in the beginning, the battle is against your mind. If the enemy can cause you to be passive, he's got you. And where does he do it? In your mind. See, I've been doing this whole thing called mind shift, and I've been studying and researching the human mind and the human conscience. The mind, the root word for the mind in Greek is denoia, which is the root word for paranoia. The root word for conscience is sundiesis, which is the moral co-perception. So your mind and your conscience work together. So the enemy comes in, and what he does is he infiltrates your mind and allows through processes of, of life and so on to wound your conscience so that you don't have the ability to say yes or no. 
and then he can take you. Because the book of Hebrews speaks about the mind of the conscience. What the ashes of goats and doves could not do, the blood of Jesus could do with one drop to cleanse your mind. We need to cleanse our mind of the garbage. Do me a favor. Take your TV, take it out of the gun range, minister to it. That, that is a sewer that comes into your house. Because the stuff that comes across those airways is stuff, with all due respect, you don't need in your life. You don't need SpongeBob to teach you to Or what's a pepper pig? You don't need pepper pig to teach your kids. <laughs> I watch people in restaurants give their children a tablet to sit and play with while they're eating. What? Then one day your kids are going to kill people and you wonder why. People. The battle's for the mind. And the enemy has been very clever in the way he has warred against us. And he has a joke. Sorry, this isn't closing. He has the joke. The church has got us chasing demons. And the church has us chasing devils. Bind you, Satan. Bind you, Satan. Bind you, Satan. But tomorrow Satan's loosed. See, to me, the greatest battle is not really against the devil. The greatest battle here is for me to penetrate and enter the things God's called me to. And we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. And I know that our warfare is not against flesh and blood, but it's against powers, principalities, and rulers of darkness. But there's sometimes we don't have authority over certain principalities and certain rulers. Right? So the bottom line is we get ourselves involved and engaged in warfare that we shouldn't be engaged in. The enemy retaliates and we find ourselves in a battle for our life. Because why? Because we don't know who we are. And we've, we've, we've jumped ahead of our call to action. Instead of doing what you're called to do, we try and do things outside of our measure of authority. And what happened when Peter, when Jesus said to him, Who do you say I am? He said, You're the Christ. He said, Flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. Don't look at your watch. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm always picking on Pam. I'm so sorry, Pam. <laughs> so Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood have not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Can you imagine what God is getting ready to reveal to you? But listen, listen, listen. Two verses down, Jesus said, I'm going to go to Jerusalem to be crucified. What did Peter say? Whoa, 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 hold on, God. No, you can't do that. And Jesus said, Thou saith not the things of God, I rebuke you, Satan. Where did the enemy enter in? From the moment he had revelation from God to the moment he spoke through the voice of the enemy. Where did it enter in? Through his mind. He probably had this whole thing set up. A big fishing business. Jesus was the CEO of the company. They were going to make a lot of money. I don't know. Just that's my thought. But he spoke out of something that he didn't have authority to speak out of. What am I saying? When you have a revelation from God, preserve your mind and speak only out of that authority. Don't speak out of things you know nothing about and you don't have authority to speak about. Because we are not all experts. Okay, I'm not an expert. All I know is what's been revealed to me. And I speak out of what's been revealed to me. I don't go anywhere else. I don't speak out of other things. Because the bottom line is I have to stay in my measure of authority. When you have been called to action like you have been. When God put his spirit in you 
And when you've been called into this world for a time like this, make sure you're doing the right thing because you don't want to get to the place one day where Jesus said, depart from me for I did not know you. You want to be functional in your dedication to your world that you're called to. Because we have been called to be imitators of God. We have been called to be the demonstration of God to the world. They, God's not going to come down and say, hey, I'm God. He's got ambassadors that are representation, that represent Him. In everything you do, remember you've been watched. Does that make sense? So do you hear a call in your heart to action? Um, even though it's just prayer, even though it's just reading the Word, even though it's getting to know the Word, you know, do something. Don't be passive. Get to know who you are. Because as you do and as we do, we start building a team. We become, we become those who are led by the Spirit of God. These are the sons of God. Because the earth's waiting anxiously for the revelation of the sons of God. Now that's not gender. That speaks about first position inheritance. It's men and women. Because don't think God excludes women. Not true. Religion does, because they're misogynistic. But nowhere in the New Testament do you see God say daughters of God. Nowhere. All you see is sons of God. Why? Because it speaks about a new inheritance, that you are now a son of God. As a woman, as a man, you're sons of God. Step into your dominion. Step into your authority. And start doing the thing God's called you to do. If it's preach the gospel, make sure you got the word, preach the gospel. If it's business, do it with excellence. If it's ministry, do it. If it's health, do it. Whatever it is, do it with excellence. Get yourself to the place where you can be that firebrand that starts a, rev a revival. Not a revolution, revival. An outpouring of the wisdom of God. So, I declare to you today, in Jesus' name, that you are living embers of the kingdom, that you're burning with the passion of the Lord, that no weapon formed against you will prosper. In Jesus' name.